Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Junior Funners. Uh, we went away for a week and then came back because it's been uh, crazy times that we live in. As you may have noticed, we live in unprecedented times. Um, but we're back now. We've got plenty to talk about. Uh, we got so much to talk about, in fact, that we had to bring in a, a third person to help us talk about it all. Um, so this this is the show where we talk about Arsenal and that. And we're the Junior Funners. Uh, that's me, I'm Ollie, and it's Lawrence. Hi there, everyone, listeners, and Ollie, and our guest. I don't know whether to reveal it or we should leave it into suspense. Well, we yeah, we might as well. Yeah, let's introduce our, our returning champion. Um, first, first guest on the show, first returning guest, I believe. Is that right? First person to, to come back. Um, it's... Uh, it's our good friend, Mr. Gary H. Uh, well, I, I never asked. Do you mind us giving out your full name or not? You, you don't care about getting docs, do you? Well, it's most of it now, isn't it? So, Yeah, um, Gary yeah. H.I. H.I. Double Hockey Sticks. If you could just call me Harry Gill for the rest of the podcast, Harry that'd be Gill. great. Harry Gill. Harry Mr. Gill. Gill, yeah. Mr. Gill. <laughs> no, um, no, he's no, here. That's who I am. Hello. He's, he's, he's here again. Um, our uh, number one colleague from the Bona League. Uh, Mr. Mr. Gary, Mr. Harry Gill, uh, Barry, uh, Barry Phil. Um, uh, yeah. So we've, yeah, we brought in, uh, Gary to, uh, just liven things up a bit because, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, well, we'll get into the Arsenal news and you'll see why we kind of need, uh, you know, distractions, but anyway, Arsenal news. So when we last recorded, um, I'm just looking here to see what the the landscape was looking like for Arsenal back then. Um, I think we had we had Benfica still to come, right? We hadn't, um, we hadn't played um, we hadn't played Leeds, and uh, yeah, we were going to play Benfica in Europa League, and then and then City, Manchester City. That's it. Yeah. So we yeah we just lost to to Villa. Uh, and yeah, we hadn't, we, we, so we've, we we're entering a week of, um, seven days of sort of steady decline. Basically. Um, we had the Leeds match first where we went, uh, three nil up by half time, And then just after half time, we went four nil up. Everything looked great. It looked as that, you know, it was the arsenal of old. Aubameyang got a hat trick. It was fantastic. We were playing some great stuff. Um, unlucky not to get a, well, Eventually, we got a penalty. Probably should have had a penalty just before that, but we'll get into that because the ref also didn't give Leeds a penalty when I feel like he probably could have done. So at least he was consistent on that front. Um, Leeds ended up pulling two goals back. Like I said, they almost got a penalty. Could have been dicey there. Could have ended up being a, you know a, a four all. We very came very close to doing the thing we do of uh, just making it incredibly difficult for ourselves and fucking it up from an advantageous position, but. Ended up being very positive. Four goals, three points, hat trick for the for the skipper. Um Lawrence, what did you make of it? Well, uh I actually felt um Leeds kind of played into our hands a bit because they play that very man to man uh, pressing, which uh, I think in a way is be- is more um in our favour because there's more space and things and uh, I would say in um Leeds kind of uh, helped us a bit in this, and uh, you see when I watched the highlights, and uh, you sort of realised, oh no wonder we were up three to half time. It was like it was a bit, um, a bit. I mean, 
Well, yeah, it did. It it seemed as though it was quite easy to move them around, um, and then just kind of, you know, all it took was sort of one pass in behind, and then you'd have like a one on one situation more or less. It was, uh, yeah, the overall passing was way better than it was at um, Villa. It was uh, mm. a lot more movement, a lot more, a lot of switching, a lot of. Uh, that's what you want to see. I, I want to see a bit more, a bit more movement from how how these. You're supposed to be professionals, and you have you, 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 sometimes it's infuriating. They get paid so much. They get paid so much, and they can't even can't even do the bloody thing that they're supposed to be doing. They're, it's a it's a disgrace. disgrace. And it's like finally, it's nice to see, yeah, you know, a bit a bit of, of fluidity for a change. It was like, you know, a bit like Arsenal of old in a sense. Yeah. It did, yeah. It felt like a, yeah. It felt more like the the version of Arsenal that we are supposed to be getting. Um, Gary, did you see any of uh, any of the, that, that Leeds match? I mean, do, it feels like a while ago now. But do you have any anything stand out from what you saw? Yeah, I just had to um, look it up to see to remember what happened because there's so many so many games at the moment. I don't remember yeah. what happened when. And yeah, I just looked it up and I remember now. I did watch it. Um, I think. I watched, so I watched the Leeds game tonight that's just happened on the yeah so at the time of recording Leeds have just uh, smashed Saints 3-0 um, yeah so Leeds are either they score a lot or they concede a lot or both um, it seems like if if you're playing Leeds and you take all of your chances then you're going to beat them because um, yeah. They, yeah. They, they have a lot of chances but also their finishing is a bit crap so <laughs> it takes them yeah. Yeah, they have Five, five chances. They have to score at least half of them to try and beat you. But if if you're clinical, like Arsenal were in this game, you know they Arsenal scored four. I think I was just looking at the stats. I think Arsenal had five shots on target and they scored four of them. Yeah, there you go. That's Leeds had five as well and they only scored two. So if you take your chances, yeah. you'll get past them. And I think tonight I was with the Southampton game. Southampton just didn't take their chances and Leeds. Scored all of most of pretty much all of theirs. Like, I think yeah, it's it's people maybe have quite short memories when it especially when it comes to Patrick Bamford. I mean the number of like the number of clubs he's sort of been moved around to in the hopes that like you know this was finally going to be the move that like broke you know where he was going to break through as like a a proper established goal scorer because he's one of those guys. Didn't he? He had like one really good season in the Championship, didn't he? Um, and then since then he's kind of moved around from club to club. And it's including like a few stints at like Premier League clubs, and it's just not it's not come off for him. Like he's just sort of not had that quality to take the chances or the killer instinct, like you mentioned. Uh, but this season, it seems like he's either more focused, or he's just gotten luckier, or you know the confidence is there, or the luck is is in his favor, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, he he seems to finally be taking more of those chances. But you do feel that like if. Uh, <laughs> If he was as good as people are sort of saying he is now, he would have been doing this a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I think he's one of those players that people think, oh yeah, he's a promising young player. He'll come good soon. But I don't know how old he is. He's probably like 25 now, 26. I was going to say, yeah, you find out he's like 26 already. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's doing the uh, Theo Walcott, isn't he? Or yeah, yeah I was going to say Jesse Lingard as well. 32 or something. Yeah. So. Just needs one good season. Just one one solid season without injuries. Oh, he's and then he'll be 27. Apparently, fucking hell! Really, he, he I mean, looks yeah, like he does. He looks very young, though. He looks like a little boy. Um, Patrick Bamford does yeah, look wow, particularly that's... like the stereotypical footballer. He looks a bit too. Um, I don't know. Why, 
I wouldn't want to start being all classist, but he looks kind of a bit too um, uh, fucking tough. Yeah, it looks like he a- does. <laughs> he's <laughs> he has got a bit of a Jack Whitehall vibe. Yeah, um, very middle, think, very yeah, middle classy kind of. Yeah, the 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 character that he's portrayed as on the Atletico Mints podcast is um, is exactly that. He's yeah, very kind of posh. Like all of the, all like all the it's sort of portrayed as like all the other Leeds players are like his servants, and he's like the kind of <laughs> <laughs> like kind of tough guy that's all, he's always asking for frothy coffee. Do you have any frothy coffee? Um, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, again, no idea how close that is to the truth, but that is kind of the vibe he gives off. Well, I think um, from what I've seen, there was a, a thing recently with Patrick Bamford and he was talking about when he was at Burnley and like Sean Dyche just took a complete dislike to him straight away. I, I guess he must, have, <laughs> he must have signed him, so I don't know what happened, but I think he was saying that Bamford uh, turned up to Burnley with his parents when he signed for them. And uh, apparently Dyche... Thought you know what? What are you doing? Turn up your parents for soft lad, bloody yeah, soft lad, bloody soft soft get. Yeah, and he also said that he didn't like him because he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Oh fuck off! Like I mean, you signed him, mate. What? Yeah, <laughs> you I signed don't him. Know. Just rip, out, rip the piss out of him. What's your... Sean Dyche <laughs> does seem like the kind of guy that would do that. Like he he seems like he's. He's carved out this little kind of niche for himself as like the perpetual underdog at Burnley. Like he, you know, he's he's always kind of he's always got this excuse to fall back on of like we we don't have the uh, resources that other clubs have. We don't, you know, we can't afford to bring in um, anyone that is any good whatsoever. Um, so that's why we play terribly week in week out, and we play dog shit. Uh, old school tactics. Uh, that's very unentertaining to watch. That's why we do that. It's like it's just sort of like he's he's got that excuse no matter what happens. It's like Benjamin Button, but he's turning into a Scotch egg. It, yeah, he, he the I always sort of I don't know. He reminds me of like a um, just like a manager of a supermarket that is like way too invested. <laughs> like he's you know is like overly harsh on like the other people that are working there for like minimum wage uh you know pay it sorry gary are you still there because you've frozen on the screen uh oh uh oh uh oh gary are you okay are you okay gary gary are you okay are you okay gary um hold up <laughs> And we're back. Sorry about that. We had some uh, technical difficulties, and um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much of that's going to survive. I did a very good Sean Dyche impression there, but um, not going to do it again at the risk of uh, at the risk of jeopardizing the uh, the the recording. Um, Yeah, so we're back. We've managed to to save the episode. Um, Where were we? We were talking about the the Leeds match and. was good it was nice and we liked it yes positivity it felt like maybe things would get better and uh yeah um the manchester city match excluded is that the first time arsenal scored four this season is that the most they've scored i believe it yeah might be so. yes um yeah we've, we've got three on the opening day of the season against fulham but and also, yeah, put three past Chelsea. But yeah, I don't think we've scored four yet um, this season. So, yeah. No, I think 
Yeah, they had that really bad period, didn't they? But they weren't winning, which I'm sure you guys obviously remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we have I mean we haven't really stopped talking about it, so <laughs> <laughs> uh you feel like it's part it's part of the therapy to just talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, who's to say it's even over, you know, because we're gonna we're gonna get into the the rest of the the seven days uh, of of Arsenal. Um so yeah, that was that was Sunday the fourteenth. Um Thursday, the uh, the eighteenth, then we had uh, first game back in uh, Europa League, and um, because of COVID quarantining rules, we weren't able to play Benfica in Portugal. We'd play them in Rome, um, and um, yeah, a bit of a weird game. I did it, Lawrence. Did you did you watch it or did you did you black out? Well, you know how I get all superstitious, and uh, I felt. Yeah. Last few games I'd watched Arsenal and they lost, so I felt I'm not going to watch these games. And uh, well, it w- it was going alright because they beat Leeds and then Benfica. I I didn't I didn't watch it. And um, but uh, well, the highlights it was it's another one of those that felt like it could have gone either way. I don't know does, whether or not you agree with the handball decision on Smith Rowe. I mean, it's one of those where it's like. I think is it a natural position? Yeah, I think the rules being what they are, I think it is a penalty, unfortunately, and it's just a little, it's just a a moment of um, just kind of naivety, I think, on the part of of Smith Rowe there. Um, you know, he'll he'll learn, you know, not to to do stuff like that. But yeah, I, it, because of the the rules being what they are, I think that that is a penalty. There's not really any way to avoid it, and um, yeah. Yeah, Smith Rowe is just unfortunate that he, he got caught out with his with his hand there. Um, just like I said, a weird game in that it we could have won it very comfortably if Aubameyang had sort of taken. He had he had at least three kind of guilt edge chances, yeah. and you feel nine games out of ten he would have scored at least one of them. Um, but he was just having an off night. It was just a, yeah weird night for him, and he didn't he he didn't get any of the the chances that were presented to him. Um, we responded very well to go and one nil down after the the penalty for the handball. Um, I did, I, I did think Bernd Leno was going to do a bit better from the the, the penalty. If I'm honest, I, I just I don't know. It, it felt like he went the right way, and he could have. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh on him. Um, but yeah, we responded very well. Scored very quickly after the penalty. Um, our, our beautiful son getting his tenth goal for the club. Um, but yeah, we couldn't we couldn't go on a push for a winner. It's good to see Kieran Tierney coming back. He came on as a sub in that game, um, and he you know huffed and puffed and did what he could to kind of drive the team forward. But um, yeah, we're we're now going into the well the quote unquote home leg, which again will not be played in London. It'll be played in Athens. Um, you know, we're going into it with an away goal, which is which is good. Um, feels like we you know. Really, we could have gone into yeah. it having won the first match, but I don't know. It, 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 I'm still hopeful of getting past this stage of the competition, which we didn't do last season. Yeah, I think I think we could beat Benfica. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't see. I mean, who have they got really? I don't sound like Goldbridge and be all arrogant. Like my team, like if you don't play for my team, then you're obviously the best. You're not good. You don't see that good enough. <laughs> But yeah, well, there is I mean, yeah, but there is there is a bit of a vibe with Benfica that it's kind of like a they become one of those clubs that's a bit like a sort of retirement home for ex Premiership players, you know, like they got that uh, 
Adele Altarapt, who oh, yeah, he used to play for yeah. QPR and Spurs. Like he he showed up. I think like when Harry Redknapp was managing QPR, someone asked him why he wasn't playing Altarapt, and he, he was uh, and. Uh, he was like he showed up to preseason a stone and a half overweight. Like he just he just didn't give a fuck. He was just obviously like he was doing an Urzel. He was just collecting his money and he just didn't care. Um, so you know respect to it, respect to the to it to a, a fellow king there. <clears throat> but um, yeah, you know they got him. They got uh, Vertonghen and uh, a lot of other. Oh, uh, what's his name from Man City? They got Otamendi. Yeah. A lot of kind of players towards the end of their career seem to be going to Benfica at the moment. Um, so you would have thought, I don't know, one of those things where it's sort of experience versus youth. You know, we got the, the the energy and the pace of the young players in our team. Hopefully that's enough to overcome the some of the older legs in the Benfica team. But then again, they've got they've got they've all got experience at, you know, Various levels, especially in competitions like this. So we'll see. Hopefully, we can just squeak through, and then we'll probably lose to whoever we get in the next round. But still, you know, tiny steps. Yeah, it feels like um, you know, tiny steps. And once you feel like they're about to get going a bit, and then they fall over again, and uh, that's Arsenal exactly. this season. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That's that's it in a nutshell. Uh, Gary, did you did you see any of the the Europa League uh, game or any highlights or anything? I didn't know. I kind of, like I was saying earlier, there's so much football on at yeah. the moment that I do forget that there's football on almost because it's just like, oh, I'll just turn the TV on, there'll be football on. So by the time it gets to Thursdays, I'm like, oh, it's probably probably not any football on. But there's more there than ever. There's, um, there's literally more than any other time of the week on Thursdays, it turns out. Yeah, Medell um, Cup. Yeah, it's crazy. So. It, I, did, I didn't see this one, but um, it's a bit weird in the, the Europa League. You always feel like Arsenal should probably walk it, but actually then you realise that teams like Benfica, they're probably actually pretty decent. And yeah, I was just looking at their, their squad and they've got pretty pretty good squad. They've got like Grimaldo, the like left wing back guy. Yeah. He was at, I think he was at Valencia a while ago until they like imploded. Yeah. So they've got, I think they've got a decent team. So... Was it one all in the first? Yeah, first yeah, yeah. Ended one all. Uh, Arsenal went one nil down after a penalty, and then a couple of minutes later, um, yeah, they, they equalised, um, and that was with about an hour to go. It was on about the yeah, uh, not an hour to go. About it was about an hour into the match with about half an hour left to go. Um, so you would have thought one of the teams could have pushed for a winner, but yeah, um, yeah, one all going into the second leg this coming Thursday. I mean, as you say, you know, there's football on all the time. Uh, at the moment, as we're recording this, Chelsea are playing Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. Um, that's currently nil-nil. The other match there, Bayern Munich have just gone four-nil up against Lazio. So uh, goodbye, Lazio. Wow. You've got to imagine because <laughs> that's All this right, is the home leg for them, and they're already four-nil down. Um, so yeah, yeah. Too bad. Uh, yeah, you, your your heart breaks for Lazio there, but um, yeah. As you know, Mitchell and Webb uh, once said, you know, all football, all the time, all of it mattering to someone somewhere, presumably, um, you know, it's it, it do be like that. And, you know, ain't complaining, although it is, you know, it does become apparent that it's it, this is not the way that football was meant to be. You know, the, the amount of like injuries and stuff is something we've talked about before, but, you know, the the toll it's clearly taking on some of the players is um, is is pretty bad. 
So hopefully things can kind of get more balanced and back to normal by next season. But yeah, it is as a fan, it is nice to just have it there whenever you want it. Yeah, it is good. I found that obviously during during lockdown, there's not a lot else to do. So now football's back. It's kind of like, I'll just watch the football. Yeah. That's two hours gone. Uh, just instead of clock watching or whatever. So it's good. But yeah, it does feels morally wrong. Yeah. That there is so much football on when we're all supposed to be staying at home and, you know, not hugging people yeah. or spitting, spitting anywhere. And yeah, yeah. But these guys are allowed to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you yeah, know, they're all kaching. Yeah, exactly. The, the money involved is just astronomical. Um, yeah. Oh, it looks as though Lazio have pulled one back. Um, so, game on. Comeback is yeah, on. Yeah, comeback is on. I mean, it's, yeah, it's only what forty-nine minutes, fifty minutes into that match. So, you know, they got time to pull off a great escape. Um, always knew they had it in them. Never, never had them written off. Uh, do not re-listen to the uh, previous minute and a half of what I just said. Um, yeah, so that was yeah that was that was midweek um, in the the Champions League, and then uh, the match we were all fearing. I, I originally was not going to watch. I wasn't going to bother watching um, uh, the the Arsenal City match just because you know <laughs> it's Arsenal against City. You know, it, 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 it you just know how it's going to go, especially how C- the form that city have been in in the last sort of month or so um yeah i just i just kind of knew how it was going to go and it, it it pretty much did um i mean it, it was 1-0 it it was actually very similar to the villa game you know we went 1-0 down within 90 seconds and then just spent the remaining 89 minutes kind of chasing the game but being held at arm's length by a very good defense um so it was, yeah, it was a frustrating watch. Um, but I mean, you know, ultimately, who cares? We lost to City. We lose to City all the time. That's yeah. nothing, you know, nothing shocking about that, really, had, in the grand scheme of things. Well, you yeah, think about some of the games. We have had some a luck of the draw with Manchester City. Manchester City. We've been a somewhat of a bogey team to them every now and then, but. Um, in the cup, definitely, yeah. In the yeah. FA Cup, we, uh, yeah, we, we, we don't seem to be able to stop beating them. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the league, it's just you know, forget about it. It's it's just unfortunate that Kevin De Bruyne had to come back from injury. Yeah, oh great, 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 yeah, fantastic. And um, yeah, and then uh, you get beat by Raheem Sterling in the air. He beats you in the air for a head header, and uh, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Um, just that, insane. That guy just surprises you every week with something. That guy, he's just uh, he's got his great. <laughs> I did, yeah. I mean, I, I, did, I feel I f- my yeah. My heart feels my heart really does go out to to Rob Holding because if you watch the replay, like he's he's clearly the one that would have been meant to be marking Raheem Sterling. But it's just like why why would you ever expect Raheem Sterling to be able to jump that high? Not just jump that high, but like the the contact he makes with the header means that it loops so perfectly over <laughs> Bernd Leno that it's just like how who could ever see that coming really from Raheem Sterling I mean it's just like you know if it was anyone else yeah you'd be like yeah Rob Holding hasn't really done enough there he should be closer to him he should be trying to put him off and, and go for the ball but it's just like oh man the, the shortest guy on the pitch 
has won like you know the first header of the match in the first ninety seconds and he scored with it. Fucking hell! Um, you'd you'd expect Raheem Sterling when he gets a header to for the ball to just hit him in the nose and like break his nose and then he falls over yeah. because he's never or he just yeah never had to head the ball he before. Just, yeah, he he just heads it straight into Rob Holding's chest. And Rob Holding hasn't even had to jump. Like Rob Holding's just standing there and it just hits him in the chest. Um, yeah, but he seems to. He's, I guess he's been practicing. I guess he he thought this day might come one yeah. day. One day I might have to hit the ball with my head, so I should probably practice yeah. this. Um, so it, it reminded me of. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Jack Wilshere's goal for Bournemouth in like FA Cup a few weeks ago. Yeah, when he's Jack Wilshere scored a header, like four foot nine, Jack yeah, Wilshere scored, scored a, a header, header without like fracturing his skull or anything you know it's it's very for a man with for well, at least such brittle bones it's very dangerous for him to try a header it could have been a hairline fracture that didn't didn't come up on any x-rays exactly, yeah could, it could be a ticking time bomb. yeah but um basically he i don't think he's ever practiced a header so it just kind of bounced off his forehead and went <laughs> about 10 foot above the goal and then managed to loop right into the back corner. I don't think he, I think he was trying to head it into the ground and it was, went completely wrong, but it went in the, went in the top corner. So we'll beautiful when, when stuff comes off like that, it's, it's really great. Yeah. I, I like to see headers from uh, short people. It's good. It, it is funny laugh. when it, yeah, like, like that when it happens and it's like, it catch it, they catch it just right so that nobody else can get, you know, like I said, it sort of loops up just high enough that nobody else can reach it. That's, that's always very good. Um, but yeah, for the rest of that match, um, you know, there was periods where we kind of turned it on a little bit and had some good pressure, but we never, it, it, it never really led to anything again. You know, Pepe did the thing where he just doesn't seem to have any power in his shots. He had a couple of opportunities to, to shoot and it was just like, he always, he's always sort of trying to place the ball perfectly rather than just, there are certain times when you do just need to fucking leather it, um, and no, he just seems to be unwilling to to try that ever. Um, uh, it's, it's quite frustrating. What I was saying um, in the last episode about um, the good, the top teams always play the ball into the into those half spaces into that. And they don't like look, what we're doing. Was when we're not confident, we're just passing to one another. Straight, direct, and nothing. No, or as I mentioned, see every time they're always trying to get that ball into those half spaces with Raheem Sterling or whoever. Or and um, it's like it's because they make everyone look so easy, and that's what frustrates. They just make. Yeah, the the way they do that kind of high press, um, it's just like like Gary Neville did like a classic kind of Gary Nevilleism where he was just sort of like. Arsenal just need to be a, need to be a bit braver. They just need to, you know, they need to they need oh, yeah, to they... try and go through this city team. They need to, you know, they need to push back. And then it's just like I can't remember who it was that did. It. I think it was Tierney or something. Like Tierney sort of tried to like, you know, like go down the go down the wing, and he was just like he's leaving way too much space in behind for Cancelo. Yeah. And it's just like you just said he needs to. Which is it? Which is it? Does he need to be braver or does he need to stay back to stop Mares and Cancelo trying to get in behind him? Like what? It, what do you want, Gary Neville? Fucking moron. Um, yeah, to, yeah. To, they like, like you said, Lawrence. They make it, they make it look so simple. The way that they 
kind of exert that pressure so high up the pitch um, and kind of, and even when they fall deeper, like I said, you know, it, it, there were periods in the match where it looked like we were kind of having some good pressure and kind of taking the game to them a little bit, but I can't help but feel that it's like, that's what they made us think. You know what I mean? It's like they were still comfortable holding us at arm's length, even in their own half, you know, letting us have the ball. Um, It's yeah. As I said earlier in the season, when we, when we played them at the Etihad, that Ruben Diaz really does is looking more and more like a quality signing. Um, Very annoyingly, um, it has to be said, but it it does look as though he's going to be, he is going to be a very, uh, a very key player for for them um, in the future. But, yeah, um, yeah, nothing really out of the ordinary there. You know, if we played City in the league and we lost, you know, it's almost like yeah. I watched I watched the game and I thought that um, I thought Arsenal played pretty well, really, considering how I many Man City is it 15, 15 games in a row they won. Something like that. More, I think it's it, yeah, it might even be more than that at this point. But yeah, it's, it's something. Like, I mean, they're they're well up there. In I think in all competitions, it's like twenty two games they've gone um, winning straight. So mm-hmm. it, yeah. They are in one of their yeah, one, of their, one of their purple patches right now. Yeah, they were expected to win against Arsenal, really. Yeah, and I think yeah, they just got the early goal. Arsenal went quite ready for it, um, which you should really be ready yeah. when the referee blows the whistle. Yeah, but, but arguably that's when you should be the most ready. You, I, I would say. Yeah, you can sometimes be caught out according to according people. to Arsenal. Yeah, um, like I said, this match and the Villa match were pretty much the exact same thing happened. Um, what you know, where Villa scored a goal in the first ninety seconds, and we were apparently caught out by the starting whistle of the match is the only way that it can really be explained. Um, yeah, yeah. Who, who'd have thought? You know, footballers—they're just like us. They're human too. You know. Yeah, you need a couple of touches to um, get it going. That's what I find anyway when I play There's, football. Yeah, or I just think you know, even just in, in the context of my job, you know, like it'll, it'll get to you know. Time to start my shift, and I'm I'm not ready, you know. Like you yeah. know, get to the you know nine o'clock or whatever, and I'm just like, well, I d- what am I doing here? So was- yeah, but they, you feel like they should did at least maybe try not to concede any yeah. goals in the first five minutes. Well, you know, it's, like a, a good- it's 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 a it's a it's a growing you know it's it's a it's a it's a you know it's it's. Uh, it's a, a rebuilding. It's a it's a transitional. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, they, you can't you 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 can't expect. Uh, you know, all Rome of the wasn't time, built in a day. You know, it's it's jumpers for goalposts. You know, you can't these these kids today. You know, with their uh, you know with their Pope's Malone and 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 Billy Irish. You know, they they can't. You know, it's. It's it, 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 it's not what it used to be. Um, if, if we go out the Europa League, how long do you think uh, Arteta has after that? Do you think he'll stick around, or do you I think the board will want to keep him? Probably. I think. I think there's pretty much time up for him. Probably if he go if he goes out of the the Europa League. Um, it, well, I think it, it depends on the manner in which they go out. I think you know it, it, if it's. You know, if it's some bullshit refereeing decision or whatever, or you know, they just get unlucky with an injury or something, um, maybe they'll give him a, a, a you know a little longer, um, and they'll sort of see how he does in the next few matches in the league because we've got quite a sort of key period coming up here. You know, we've got like the the north actually the North London derby is the day after my birthday, so hopefully, you know, I can get a nice uh, 
nice bit of you know birthday luck out of that. Um, but yeah, we got some we got some pretty big matches coming up. Um, but yeah, I think if it if we if we lose in the manner that we've lost some of the more recent games, uh, I think it could be that could be time up for him. What's your? F- it's difficult to know, isn't it? Because if I was pretty close to getting getting fired about ten games ago when they went through that really really bad yeah. streak, and then you know there were a lot of people saying that oh they might get relegated. Are they going to get relegated? Sam Allardyce, oh, yeah. famously, yes. Um, yeah. Oh no, that, uh, yeah. So we scored four goals against West Brom. There we go. So uh, yeah, Leeds match wasn't the first. Oh, yeah. One. yeah, we we hammered West Brom. Yeah, did, did West Brom count? <laughs> they count at the moment, they do they? <laughs> until they're That's until like, they're officially relegated, they count. Until they until mathematically like, they're relegated, they. It's a two 0 win. It's like a golf handicap. Yeah. Well, no, we were playing them away, so it you know it's it's and in and in the snow, <laughs> uh, we played them in the snow, so it, it's yeah. Oh, okay, I, it's, yeah. it, it's legit. Fine, yeah. Um, but yeah, until they're mathematically yeah, relegated. Yeah, he was, he was kind of under pressure. He was kind of under pressure then. I feel like it's come around now. So I feel like, I feel like this whole season should just be like a, a gimme. Because most teams are struggling and the games aren't great. So maybe Arsenal just need this season to, and Arteta just need this season to settle a bit and maybe just see what happens in the summer i guess maybe it, but unless unless they've got someone lined up obviously they might could have had two two thomas two yeah. show Tom, tommy yeah. t um but he's gone now so i don't know Touche. if anyone else becomes available the touche is loose could have um yeah so i don't know sa- if there's any point really <laughs> is anyone going to want to come in sorry in like there you go March? there's there's <laughs> Uh, do you think he'd want to come in during the season or would he just wait would he want to wait until the summer at this point you know we're at the end of February Um, yeah yeah, at this point in the season especially with the Euros coming up as well um, yeah now probably wouldn't be the time but then again who like the way that some of these football clubs seem to be run who fucking knows I mean you know Chelsea getting rid of Lampard when they did um, and, and bringing in Tuchel feels, feels like, you know, they maybe been planning that for all. I mean, they, they seem to, Chelsea seem to think like two managers in advance, you know, like they bring in, they, they bring in the guy, but they're already thinking about the guy after the guy for when they sack the guy they've just hired. Um, so I, I, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, that's it for, Arsenal news, isn't it? That's there's when I mean, we've got, um, yeah, we got the, the second leg of Benfica coming up later this week, and then Leicester at the weekend. Um, what do you reckon of the Leicester match? I mean, oh. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I hope um, Leicester will be uh, will not be on form, but uh, Jamie Vardy coming back now. Yeah, I can. I. All they need it's also is worrying just... that they they seem to be getting. They finally seem to be getting goals even without Jamie Vardy, which is uh, a real bummer for everyone else in the league. Um, you know, Madison and, and Barnes. Um, yeah, seem to be picking up a few goals now. So even when Jamie Vardy's not in the team, they do seem to have a, a more of a goal threat. Um, but yeah, I mean Vardy. Uh, Vardy's record against Arsenal is um, pretty. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, he's he's scored at least one goal in pretty much every match he's played against Arsenal, I think, or something like that. So he'll he he will score at least one goal for Leicester. So we're going to have to factor that in. 
Um, do you fancy us to get like a two-one? Maybe I. I don't know if I do. Um, I unfortunately, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna tempt fate. I'm gonna say maybe a a two-nil Leicester. I'm going to use the negative. I just difficult to know with Leicester, isn't it? Because they, I mean, earlier in the season they were dropping some weird, weird points. I think they, yeah, I can't remember who it was, but they lost. Might have been West Brom or someone. They lost against, and then there's a few, few draws in there. But they seem to have hit their, hit their rhythm the last month or two. Um, um, so maybe they'll. Maybe they will win against Arsenal, I'm not sure. But then again, Arsenal, seem, to me, they seem like they're playing a bit better. But they're just maybe not... Like, Aubameyang's just not firing, is he, at all? So, mm. apart from that hat-trick he got, like, a week ago. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, but what, really what's he done like, lately? For the, for the sake of my point, let's say he's not firing. I think, uh, as I was saying, like, Leicester kind of played to, into his hands a bit because they left loads of space in behind. But, um, like... Leicester, oh, Leeds, I think, yeah, bit, Leeds, yeah. like Leicester, I think are going to be a bit more. Um, they'll probably sit deeper and be a bit compact. Yeah, so. they're. I mean, a Brendan Rodgers team typically is. Yeah, they'll be they'll be shrewder defensively than than Leeds. Um, I think. Yeah, I think we'll probably we would probably go two nil down, as you said, Lawrence. But I, I'm going to be slightly more optimistic and say that we we fight back for a two all. Um. And and yeah, we kind of scrap, scrap Pepe our way to the point. with the long range curler. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a crazy kind of season. You know, it could well be that he's the savior. You know, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's pretty much it though for for Arsenal news at the moment. And if we um, we'll take a quick break, and then I'll tell you what we'll do. Instead of Arsenal news, we'll do some Bournemouth news because Gary's a Bournemouth fan. So we'll get a fresh new perspective on uh, all it, you know how things are going at Bournemouth because there's a lot of a uh, lot of intrigue and a lot of change happening there at the moment. Even if the stuff on the pitch isn't that inspiring, so we'll be back in five, four. Th- no, we'll be back after this short piece of music. we're back and uh looks as though in the uh atletico chelsea match uh our boy ollie Giroud has done it once again he's put him oh. all up oh legend I, down it's hard to hate Giroud, really no i uh, yeah he's a beautiful man he is a very very handsome man and um yeah yeah just uh yeah he just keeps on he can't stop you know you can't keep him down He's, we should um, not. We should not have sold him. I think that was one of the worst decisions Wenger ever did. <laughs> Wenger it was. Out. It was. It was disappointing to see him go because he was. He was so. Um, I don't know. Yeah, he was just. He was just a really great team player. He's a great servant to the club. He, always, you know, he, even when he wasn't starting matches regularly, his impact as a sub uh, was pretty. You know, he was an impact sub in every sense of the word. You know, is is sort of. Goals per games ratio was pretty outstanding, and it was just yeah, just nice to have someone like that around. You know, someone to to be as an option to bring on in a game if uh, if you need a if you need a game winner or someone to make an instant impact. Um, and he's still doing it. He's still doing it at Chelsea. It's like uh, yeah, why did why did he have to go? Why did we have to get rid of him? Oh well, um, you know, maybe we'll get him back. Not too late. 
Um, so yeah, we yeah we're, we're back and we're, yeah we're going to uh, switch a little bit from our, our usual programming um, of uh, nonstop Arsenal chat. To uh, yeah, we're just going to catch up with uh, what's going on with Bournemouth at the moment. So Gary, um, you're the you're the expert here. Um, so post Jason Tyndall's sacking, obviously, you know the the club have brought you know they've uh, promoted Jonathan Woodgate from first team coach to caretaker manager. About a it, it, is the timeline in this correct? About a week after he was hired, he's he's now suddenly the caretaker manager. I think I think he came he came in on the Monday, and then Tinder was fired on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. Like same week, basically. It was within seven days of him starting. He got um he got the boot. I'm not sure. I don't think that was the plan. No. I don't think they were planning to get Woodgate in and then get rid of uh, Tindall. I think they got Woodgate in to replace. Um, the other coach, Graham Jones, who went to Newcastle, who'd only come in in, in the summer anyway, so he'd gone after six months. Weird um, move. Weird move. Yeah. Yeah, can, yeah weird Can one. I ask, but, there are John Terry rumours, was that so they could, didn't have to change the initials on the on the jacket, JT? They could just give him Tyndall's old <laughs> old tracksuit jacket. They just, they just felt John Terry... Yeah, I did hear that. And that, that's why John Terry turned it down. <laughs> well, you know, you didn't feel you special. Give me a new jacket. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, that was the rumor. I'm glad that those those rumors did not come true. Yes. Like, but, there was um, people. I remember when I was we were well, socially distancing, but I took my uh, nephew to the, the swings and all that, and there was all the bums. There was there were all Bournemouth fans who were speaking about. Oh, I don't want John Terry's badge. I don't want John Terry. It's quite funny to hear that. Like, Lawrence with the hot scoop from the swings. Yeah. Word on the street. Yeah. Yeah. He's got his ear to the ground. Should have done a live what recording. Else, live what podcast. else are the MILFs in the park saying, Lawrence? I've got a nice... Uh, a nice uh, uh, you got a nice uh, tush. Yeah. No, but but yeah. So, <laughs> so the, yeah, the John Terry rumours, thankfully, uh, came to nothing. He's going to, you know, stick with Villa for uh, for at least the time being. I reckon he's probably... John Terry definitely has the ego on him to to stick it out for the Chelsea job. I think he's probably he he I can see him wanting that to be his first like full managerial job, um, given that he is such a wanker. Um that yeah, I, I think his yeah, his his ego means that he's not gonna he wouldn't trouble himself managing a place like Bournemouth, um, when there's a chance that he can jump on the ever ending uh merry-go-round of Chelsea managers at some point. Um, yeah, I think so. I think I assumed that he was waiting when he went to Villa, he was just waiting for the Villa managers to get sacked Yeah, when they're not doing very well in the championship and then he'd take over, but they've been doing quite well and got promoted when he, since he's been there, so he's kind of waiting. He gets to get, yeah, he gets um, to keep, you know, have a nice to get some of the credit for that as well. You know, it's a nice little yeah, raises his profile a little bit, and uh, yeah, he can sort of bide his time even more. But yeah, going back to Bournemouth, um, so yeah, Tyndall sacked almost immediately after Jonathan Woodgate comes in as first team coach. Jonathan Woodgate is now, well, he's now been appointed until the end of this season as as caretaker manager. Um, he has. Yeah. How have the matches been since he took charge? Um, not too bad. They well. So we, I think the 
first game was an FA Cup game, and we won that. I think we won three out of five. I think he's been in for six now. We won three, uh, lost a couple, drawn a couple. Um, so it's been a, it's been mixed, but it's, we've seen an improvement. I think it's Tyndall. I think it seemed that the last few games of Tyndall's career, well, not career. Uh, I'm sure yeah, his career is not yeah, over. He'll, he'll be somewhere else. He'll bounce back. Yeah, I'm sure Paul Town will be looking for a manager soon. Yeah. But um, it seems to be that the players just weren't. Seemed like they weren't that interested or weren't trying as much, which I don't know. Maybe it's just yeah. fatigue or something. But it just didn't seem like he had the dressing room anymore. It seems like they, the players, kind of the players that were there last season or have been there a while. You know, he Tindall had been the assistant manager for ten years and yeah, been yeah, kind of stood in the background as Eddie Howe's hype man, just saying yeah. Yeah, Very do that. Much the flavor flavor. Like, yeah, the flavor flavor. The Eddie yeah, Hounds, just Chuck D. Just put your bibs, put your bibs in this bag <laughs> before you go out. And um, so now to have to then have him as the manager, I'm not sure how the dynamic would work. No matter how good of a manager, I don't know how that would have worked. But it seems to be working at the start of the season. But I think some of that was to do with just us being new to the league and just yeah, to, maybe some teams not not knowing how we played as well. And we just kind of managed to hit them with early goals quite a lot, quite often. Yeah. And but our defence has been pretty solid this season. Yeah, I've seen that the, 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 the matches that I've seen, Asmir Begovic seems to have really upped his game from uh, from how he was playing in the Premiership. He, he really seems to have... Uh, he seems to have improved a lot. I don't, again, I don't know if it's just because... He's dropped down a level into the championship, and it kind of you know he's it, it that's the the level of quality that he has naturally means he's going to look better in the championship. But yeah, he seems to be performing a lot better in goal for them than he had in the towards the end of towards the end of their stay in the Premiership. Yeah, I think he got. I think last season he was dropped, and then we had Ramsdale all season. Yeah. Ramsdale did really well, but keepers in the relegation zone always look really good. There's always one keeper who looks really good because he's just constantly make... <laughs> parrying yeah, shots. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot more opportunity. Like Tom Heaton always looked really yeah. good because he's constantly saving. Yeah, he was having to deal yeah, with letting shots. in two or three goals a match, but he was also making you know four or five saves every match. So it's like, oh wow! Imagine if he had a you know the theory yeah, is that he... if he had a decent defense in front of him, you know that he'd be keeping clean sheets. But it doesn't always work like that. Yeah, it's not quite like it. So we, we um, yeah, Begovic didn't play last season. He was on the lane. He went to AC Milan, which is quite yeah. bizarre. Bournemouth loaning a player to yeah, AC Milan. As you insane. Do. <laughs> he told me that like 10 years ago. It would yeah. crazy. Um, I think he played there quite a bit. He was supposed to go back this season. Mm. I heard in like August he was supposed to go back, but it never happened. And thankfully he's played for us all season. He's been... I'd say our best player yeah. by far. The amount of saves he's making, it shows that he's a good keeper. He just maybe he just wasn't didn't feel like he was didn't have any confidence or something. Or Eddie Howe wasn't. Or maybe Eddie Howe was trying to get Ramsdale in, and Begovic wasn't very happy about it. I don't know. But he's obviously been told that he's number yeah. one now. So yeah, there definitely isn't. Um, yeah, there's no confusion over who. Yeah, who the number one is now that Ramsdale's gone uh, back to back to Sheffield United, who will probably soon be joining Bournemouth in the Championship. That is, if Bournemouth don't get. Yeah, promoted. Ramsdale doesn't look. Ramsdale doesn't look so. Yeah, good suddenly this doesn't look. Doesn't look so uh, promising. Um, yeah, 
difficult being behind a terrible defence this season. Very so. weird what's going on at Sheffield United. I mean, it's all it's all the same players that everybody was saying that Chris Wilder had done such a great job with. But it's like, I don't know, even, even towards the end of last season, though, to be fair, you could see things were kind of already falling apart. Like, you could see teams had already kind of figured out how Sheffield United had played. And I think they they got very lucky for a team with no like sustained goal threat, you know, no like actual strikers um, to get the number of goals that they did, you know, their, their midfield and their defense from like set pieces or whatever um, did very well getting the number of goals that they did. And that clearly is just absolutely dried up this season for them. And the difference is just very, very, very stark compared to how they were last season. It's, I, I feel sorry for, for Ramsdale. Cause I'm sure it's like, like you said, it's not totally his fault. He is playing behind a pretty wobbly defense, but man, this was supposed to be like his big, his big triumphant move back to, you know, to, to Sheffield, um, to, you know, making, you know, he gets to, he gets to cement his reputation as a premier league goalkeeper. And, um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's not going very well. Yeah. At the end of, at the end of last season, when Bournemouth got relegated, I was listening to uh, to a Bournemouth fan podcast, so I'm not sure I can mention it on on here. You guys probably oh, no, like fireball. Give them a shout out. Maybe we can, maybe um, we can no, piggyback no. on that. You know, the algorithm might pick up you mentioning it, and then we get some extra Google hits or something. Yeah, they had some um, they had some guys on there with some pretty interesting takes about some uh, Bournemouth players. I think one guy on there said that that Ramsdale is world class is a world class goalkeeper, so he should be going to like a top four club Ooh. or somewhere in Europe. Um, so he's like, it's definitely definitely going to yeah. happen. And uh, yeah, he went to Sheffield United and he's conceded he's... conceded eight hundred and sixty three goals <laughs> in uh, twenty he's games. Only... But yeah, I'm not, not sure about that guy's opinion on things. Yeah, Ramsdale because he's only st- how old is he? He's only like twenty three or something, isn't he? Like he's still he's not. Yeah, it's twenty. Yeah, twenty two, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I think he's still playing for England under twenty one. Yeah, like he's still, he, he's so young, especially for a goalkeeper. Like the idea that he's like. <laughs> the idea that he's world class and should be playing for like you know he should be pushing Edison out of the city squad is just like, it's like yeah okay calm down yeah calm down um, yeah strange take I think yeah some some Bournemouth fans get quite excited about these my dad is, is my dad regularly tells me about like that yeah the the kind of overreaction of of Bournemouth fans because he posts he's been I don't know for the last decade or so he's been a, a regular poster on uh, Vitals the the Bournemouth fan forum um. And yeah. yeah, like he, yeah, he's telling me, you know, he's, he sort of gives me pretty regular updates on the, the insane overreaction that some of the fans have. And it's like this weird sort of thing of like, um, the attitude that some of the fans had like towards the end of last season, where it's like, we don't even want to stay in the premiership. We don't even want to stay, you know, we, we, yeah, it's this, this league's shit anyway. We don't want to stay in the premiership, but also we should be doing, you know, we should be winning every game. You know, if Eddie was doing this, this, and this, we'd be winning every match 5-0. And it's just sort of like, so what, do you want to stay in the, like, what do you actually want? You want to get relegated, but you also want to get promoted back into the premiership as champions. But then you also don't want to stay in the, so I, I, yeah, it's just sort of this like weird attitude of like, um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know whether it's sort of like a preemptive thing of like trying to sort of shield yourself from the the hurt of getting relegated by being like, yeah, well, I didn't want to stay here anyway, um, or if it's just like that weird kind of 
the thing you see over time when teams sort of become established in the in the Premier League and each club each club's fans has their own sort of specific derangement syndrome about the club. You know what I mean? Like the the longer they're in the Premiership, like you know we sort of see it with you know for a long time the joke was that you know Spurs were always Spurs fans are always referring to themselves as a top six team despite the fact that I think until Harry Redknapp came along, they'd never finished in the top six before. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I don't know if it's just, that's just what happens when your team is, you know, gets more and more established in the premiership is that the fans kind of get more and more wild in their, in their takes and in their emotions. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's definitely a fair bit of that happening with Bournemouth, especially with the kind of, um, this sort of odd transitional phase they're in now. I mean, you know, we if we if had we been recording this episode last week, we would have been talking about the fact that you know, top of the shortlist apparently is uh, the king himself, Thierry Henry. Um, but as it is, yeah, Woodgate's yeah. been appointed for the rest of the season. But yeah, I mean, how, how do you feel about that, given Henry's record as a manager at this point? Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one because it seemed that. So we seemed that as soon as Tyndall went, there was a there was a, a long a long shortlist of footballers that were in the, playing in the Premier League and were pretty decent in about two thousand and five. Yeah. The, the Hall of Fame is the Frank Lampard, Vieira, yeah. Terry, uh, I can't remember who else, but yeah, there's all these players that are like quite new in their managerial careers. I suppose a bit, a bit left field, isn't it? Like, where's the, where's, where's Mark Hughes? Yeah. Where's all these? I mean, it's, where's Alan Pardew? I'm glad of this. I was but say, it's, yeah, it's, like it's a, it's a big relief that their names aren't even being mentioned. But yeah, so like someone, someone just picked up a copy of like FIFA 05 and just went, who's, who's on the back? Right, okay, he's, these guys. Yeah, he's, they're, they're he's the retired. Yeah, he's retired. So, well, Rooney's already at Derby, so yeah, we can't. Sorry, yeah, I don't like, give them their sounds- correct name. Uh, Wayne Rooney's Derby. Um, Wayne Rooney is already at Wayne Rooney's Derby to give them their uh, their, their correct name now. Um, yeah, but yeah, so yeah, maybe we could have got Rooney. Yeah. yeah, but it seems that out of all the suggestions, I thought Lampard might be an okay fit. At least he has um, managed in the Championship before. Yeah, I think he did all right with. Derby, seeing as how seeing where they are yes. now, doing, well, have been doing terribly, um, and probably would have been. I think Chelsea was a bit far for him. Yeah, I think there was. I yeah, I, I think there was probably a at least at least one step missing um, in that in that chain. I feel yeah, going straight from from Derby to um, to Chelsea, it, it, it's a lot like in um, in movies where it's like. The what seems to happen now is that like if you know if you're a, if you're a movie director you'll have like a kind of modest hit with like an independent film and then um, you're like just suddenly you'll be given a, a Star Wars movie to be in charge of like that seems to be the way that Hollywood is operating now it's just like yeah you've got like oh so you you've made this sort of uh, little indie movie that only has six people in it that um, was a a surprise success um, okay. We're going to put you in charge of this multi-billion-dollar franchise. We're we're we're, uh, we're rebooting um, we're rebooting Power Rangers, and we're going to make ten movies, and you're going to write and direct all of them. <laughs> like that, it's it, it felt Would a bit you like that with Power Rangers. 
exactly. It's it's a uh, yeah. So it, it's like that was how it felt with Lampard. It's like oh, okay, so you did pretty well in your first season managing Derby and got them to the the they they did get to the playoffs in the end, didn't they? I think so. I think they lost yeah. in the playoffs. So yeah. like you, yeah, you and- managed to get to the playoffs, but didn't get promoted. Um, so now you've got to. <laughs> Now you're going to be, play- you're going to be play- yeah. You have to win the league, and you're going to be playing in the Champions League. Um, so yeah, that's there. You go. Good luck. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one, but I felt like he might be interested in the board job just because it might be an easy way back into the Premier League. And there is the but apparently there's the, the Harry Redknapp connection as well, isn't there? Um, I think he's yeah, yeah. He's his it's his uncle, yeah. isn't it? So he could have come and. Slept on his sofa yeah, or a wing of his house. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. He's terrific. Terrific. Good boy. Yeah, maybe they could have bubbled together. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Lampard could have done some shopping on the way back from training. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they got, got there's the big Asda there. He could have, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is just talking Great. about specific Bournemouth landmarks now. Um, but yeah, so I mean. Yeah, so he could have, he could have, um, could have done that, but apparently he turned it down pretty quickly. So I think it was quite soon after he got fired from Chelsea. So I guess he's still in mourning. I don't know. I think he's, yeah, but, um, I wouldn't, so he I wouldn't blame him for kind of taking a minute to reassess his options, you know. Um, yeah, having got it, again, having made that gigantic leap from losing in the playoffs with Derby to suddenly being in charge of Chelsea, where, you know, where he is a club legend and there's all that extra pressure on him. Um, yeah, I, I don't blame him for kind of wanting to to take a minute before he decides what to do next. But yeah, um, but it was it seemed as though the, yeah. the the Henri announcement from depending on what articles you read was like was imminent. It, it was like you know, some articles were saying it was like yeah, like he's going to be unveiled like after after this weekend's match, and then other articles were like <laughs> Bournemouth are considering him but haven't approached uh, Montreal FC yet. So it's like, oh, so they haven't actually even spoken to the club he's currently managing about bringing him in, but it's still being reported in some places that he's going to be unveiled this time next week. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where there've been rumours of it happening, and there's Omri, and everyone loves yeah. Omri. Everyone's got a bit excited about it, and yeah, it kept coming out that oh, they haven't actually asked permission to speak to him yet. They need to ask permission, and then eventually, I think they got permission to speak to him. And then the next day, the story was completely dead. So it's not happening. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know if he would have been a good fit. I don't. I mean, he went to was it Monaco, wasn't he? And he did pretty yeah. badly. Yeah. He um, is is CV thus far as a management wise, I believe, is um, assistant manager to Martin Roberto Martinez uh, uh, in the Belgium. Uh, in yeah, in in the Belgium uh, uh, setup. And then, yeah, he went to Monaco, uh, you know, his f- former boyhood club, I believe, um, and just completely shat the bed there, um, which is which is also weird because, you know, there's the, the Wenger connection there. I mean, that was that was the club that Arsene Wenger uh, managed before, you know, I think that was, that was where he made his name, wasn't it? I think before he uh, came to Arsenal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, and then, yeah, he just completely fucked it there. And then he's, he's obviously gone to... Um, managing the MLS where he kind of uh, spent the last stage of his career. Um, no idea how he's doing out there, but you would think that his approach naturally that he's, you know, given that he's a, a striker and, you know, one of the most, not just a striker, but, you know, one of the most prolific 
creative footballers of all time, um, not just in terms of goals, but also assists, you would assume that his approach would be more attacking-based, which it sounds like that's something Bournemouth could probably do with, even if they... Even if it kind of goes back to like the because it you know the way we were talking about it earlier the way Leeds are playing now where they concede a lot of goals but also manage to kind of get quite a few goals was sort of the way that Bournemouth were playing and the way they would set up when they first got promoted to the to the Premiership. Yeah, we a lot of counter attacking, um, a lot of very quick players. You know, Callum Wilson's very quick. Um, we had Fraser King, all oh, just very yeah. quick. So even if maybe technically they weren't as good as other players, because they're so fast, you could get into positions before them or just draw draw a foul, get a penalty. Yeah. Um, and it seemed to work quite well. Our defence was always a bit wobbly because for most of the time we're in the Premier League, our defence was the same as it was in League One. Yeah, that was... I mean, the, the players were great, but it was just they were playing at 100% capacity for four seasons and it just... Eventually, it's going to fall think, apart. Yeah, because by the time that was um, the other so, thing. Yeah, by the time they got to the Premiership, they were all kind of, uh, kind of a- aging as well. Like you know, they're, they're sort of reaching the end of their twenties, and kind of and like you said, for players that had played in League One all the way through the Championship and then into the Premiership, it's like to be a defender in the modern game, you have to be as fast as the like the midfielders and the wingers and the strikers. Like it's just you know that's just how the game is played now. Um, so it is, yeah, like you said, there were quite a few instances where those guys, th- those, the limitations of those, those guys like that, that sort of group of four or five guys that had come up was maybe exposed, but yeah, it, it, it didn't matter as long as they were scoring. It, it meant that Bournemouth were never boring to watch. Crucially, you know, they, they were always, there were no boring Bournemouth matches. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, from an Arsenal point of view, there's that, that match where we ended up drawing, Three all, having gone th- was it three nil down that we went like it, it, like in the first half and then like at the very very end of the match I think it's Simon Francis got a red card and then we managed to get an equaliser right at the very end like it's, yeah that was pretty much every Bournemouth match for at least a couple of seasons yeah yeah it did feel like that and I felt like <sighs> last season it just didn't quite click at all but anyhow and then obviously the season was postponed because of lockdown and then we just couldn't get our rhythm going in the the second part of it and it just fell apart and then we had that issue with Villa getting that goal ruled out and then they stayed up by a point because of that phantom no goal and uh, not that I'm bitter over that yeah well I mean like I said you can currently trying to sue sue VAR well you could yeah we've we've talked about it before but yeah I mean really it's it's Arsenal's fault because we should have been able to beat Villa, but we ended up losing to them. Um, and that, yeah, I'd still hold that against. Yeah, Arsenal. that would have yeah. again. That would have changed everything, you know, in those last few weeks. I think it, also it's like you said, where it kind of failed to get going for Bournemouth. It, again, this is sort of coming from my parents, who are you know season ticket holders and go to to every match. Well, they would do if you could go anywhere at the moment, but you know they they watch every match. But yeah, but I I think that they said that like Eddie Howe's approach seemed to be a bit more. Tactically, seem to be a bit more conservative. Um, that that kind of gung ho, all out attack approach um, didn't quite seem to be there as much as it was. There was more of a kind of like, a, okay, well, we start the match at nil nil. That means we get a point. So if we can hang on to that, that's a point. Um, yeah, I think he switched um, that last season 
that we got relegated in, he started to really, you could see that he started to focus more on not conceding as many yeah. goals. Because Bournemouth, yeah, we used to concede so many goals. Although other times, you know, we win 4 3. Yeah. So I think last season he tried to focus on not conceding as many goals, but that ended up getting us relegated because yeah. it, didn't, it didn't really work and we weren't scoring the goals. Yeah. Quite a few injuries didn't help, but, you know, everyone has injuries eventually. But yeah, so it doesn't look like we're going to get, well, we're not going to get a new manager this season. So we've got Jonathan Woodgate for now. So. It feels like they took three weeks to get to this decision. So it feels a bit of a letdown, I guess. You're hoping for a new manager to come in. But maybe, like I said about Arsenal this season, maybe it's just a write-off and just try and like stabilise and do as best we can in the league. Maybe, and then yeah, next maybe, season... Maybe get to the playoffs. Yeah. Maybe... Yeah, and just see where we go next season. Because, yeah, it's been... And we should have, should have fans back. Next yeah, probably, clearly that's yeah, that's a big thing for every every club. Um, yeah, mm. it, it's a yeah, very kind of this weird vacuum that football's happening in. It's sort of a, yeah, it's not. I suppose in one way, it's a it's the purest reflection of the game because there's nothing you know, there's no atmosphere at any of the stadiums. But then it's also the worst form of the game because there's no you know there's no home advantage in any of the matches or anything like that. So it, it's yeah it. Yeah, that that that. Hopefully, fingers crossed with Boris's roadmap, um, we can you know we can get fans back in stadiums. I, I, it's weird that he keeps sort of coming up with these arbitrary dates that everything's going to be fixed by because it doesn't. It, none of those have worked so far. Like he keeps just you know by this oh by this date everything you know we'll be able to do this again, and it just means that like when it gets to that date. It's like people can do the things they wanted to do for maybe a week before everything has to lock down again because not everything is fixed. But yeah, hopefully with football we can get fans back in the, the stadium soon. Um, Lawrence, what was your? Did you have any takes on you know Thierry Henry potentially coming to manage Bournemouth? Um, not especially, but um, uh, I was just talking to Gary earlier about it and. Um, yeah, basically that. Well, I I I thought that he was coming. That's because I haven't really been following. So, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, so it's, feel- it's, yeah. As we were saying, it was yeah. The, t- depending on what websites you were reading, it did. It, it seemed as though it was a done deal, and it was you know he was going to be unveiled. But it, yeah, it, it's turned out to not be the case. But <clears throat> yeah, uh, I mean, it would have been interesting, especially to have him have him be so local to us. You know the. The chance to would potentially he, run into Thierry Henry while you're out would shopping. Would he be or whatever, living here? Don't they usually like you know live up in London and just come down? You know. Well, I, I, it depends. They, I think they normally they, he would have he would probably have a place here. You know, because footballers I don't think just live. You know, typically they will have multiple properties. So I think he would have a place in Bournemouth. He'd get like somewhere to live down here. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be living here twenty four seven. I think, yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, you'd still have the chance to sort of, you know, run into him potentially. Like, you know, I, I used to live in the same uh, block of flats as Harry Arter, um, and I think, I think Aaron Ramsdale was who's, uh, clearly the the club owned a flat in that building, and it was, you know, they put players up there. I guess while they were between houses or looking to to move somewhere else. Uh, yeah, so I. I Remember being in the lift with Harry Arter um, once, uh, well, a few times. I'd see him driving his 
it appeared to be a, you know like a giant jeep but then i'd, I'd remember like how short harry Potter is and i'd be like oh so it's, <laughs> it's an optical illusion you know it's, it's like the hobbit you know when they film they film ian mckellen closer to the camera than uh than um elijah wood you know the car looks much bigger because it's harry Potter behind the wheel um but yeah so yeah maybe the the club would you know they they'd put him up somewhere while he's getting settled if something like that happened but yeah who knows now yeah we got we got woody uh woody's at the wheel um for bournemouth and i mean the insider information that we've got as you know as as bona league members from uh from the the resident borough fan tom um he seemed to be sort of i don't know he his opinion on on jonathan woodgate from what i remember from when he was middlesbrough manager was that he was at least trying to play positively he just didn't have the squad to get the results and he would but he was also sort of very pro youth he was you know very good at giving kids a, a run in the team um which again could potentially be very yeah. good for bournemouth um given that he's going to be there for at least the end of this season yeah i think from what i remember about him at borough was that yeah he was trying to play decent football but i think Bur- borough was just in a bit of a transition and it meant they were quite worried about getting relegated and don't think that I don't think they thought that his tactic of building slowly was going to work so yeah. they kind of panicked and uh, oh, got rid of him which is he's a shame, got a tactic but- like oh fancy lad he's got a he's got a tactic oh who's he fucking think he is like um that was the that was the Middlesbrough board okay. <laughs> that was the Middlesbrough chairman uh what's his name Steve Gibson reacting to Jonathan Woodgate um yeah, I, I yeah, I maybe yeah, I, I he could potentially be a, a a good fit for Bournemouth at least in this sort of temporary transitional phase, but yeah, who's to say? It's a weird time for football in general. It's very difficult to make predictions about literally anything. Um so yeah. Yeah, I suppose to just let it see what happens. Just yeah. Let it go. I'm not I quite enjoy watching the the championship just because it's quite fun it really. is, yeah and i mean so it is, it's so ridiculously competitive in the championship you've got like you got like i don't know 16 or 18 teams that are all pushing for like the top six spots you know like you, you got like maybe 10 of those 16 to 18 teams are uh pushing for automatic promotion and then the rest of them feel with good reason that they've got realistic shots of getting in the playoffs by the end of the season. So it is like, it is super competitive and it, the, it only takes like a couple of games for the entire table to like kind of turn on its head. Like the, the only exception seems to be Norwich so far. They're like the only team that seem to be consistently kind of um, smashing it. But yeah, like every other team that's kind of like had their time at the top or in, you know, like near the top of the table, they've all kind of gone through these peaks and valleys. Um, just at random yeah. and it's yeah it is it's and then it's towards the end of the table it's like yeah it's like it doesn't take much like if yeah if you fall out of like the top half of the championship um which like i said doesn't take much you can suddenly find yourself sucked into this uh insane relegation fight with like some teams that don't deserve to be there and then other teams that absolutely deserve to be there you know there's some teams like at the end of the table that are like just complete dog shit um, but then there's other teams that like you feel like if it comes to the end of the season they get relegated they've maybe been a little bit hard done by so it is yeah the championship is is incredibly entertaining as a 
you know, whether you're a neutral football fan or whether you've got something invested in, in one of the teams, it's it's great. And it is also the sheer amount of matches, as we were saying earlier, you know, it is it there's basically two matches a week for the majority of the season. Um, especially right now. So it is yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's all it's all happening all the time and anything can change at any moment. It's great. Yeah, it's quite fun. I quite enjoy it. Yeah, it's basically Saturday, Tuesday, mm. pretty much every week. So there's always always a form of game to watch, and luckily Sky seem to put them on put them on uh, on TV quite often, so I can watch quite a few of the Bournemouth games, which is good. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think Sky try the sort of. I don't know. I, maybe it's because they're a, you know recently relegated side, or it's just the. The ongoing, I think, possibly the ongoing saga with Bournemouth is also quite interesting. So, it is, yeah, it's nice that they're kind of getting that that coverage still, even though they're not in the Premiership. Because, as we all know, that that yeah. telly money, <laughs> that that TV money, fucking rules all, doesn't it? That is that's that's where the yeah. big bucks are. So, the more matches, yeah, that's why we're still watching football during a global exactly. pandemic. Yeah, because of them sponsors. Exactly. Yeah, those those. Those giant corporations and all of those guys in Saudi Arabia and Russia, they all got to get their money. So it's, uh, yeah, they all got to get what they paid for. Um, <laughs> should we do some, um, I, we, we've been going, because of the technical problems and stuff, we've been going for quite a while. So let's do some cultural appropriation and then we'll uh, end this nightmare. Cultural appropriation, folks. Here we go. And so this is uh, the part of the show where we step away from football and recommend some other stuff that you might like. Um, Gary, I don't know if you thought this far ahead, whether you got anything prepared or whether you, you've got something off the dome that you want to... Okay, well, me, me and Lawrence will go first yeah. and then we'll, 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 we'll come to you and you know see what you settle on. Um, Lawrence, what do you got for us this week? <clears throat> well, this week is just um, something I've been listening to uh, on the radio is um, Suggs. Uh, love letters to London, basically um, Suggs from uh, of Madness fame. Oh, cool! Uh, uh, just talking about his um, all the things he's got up to. I guess in his young, younger days, all the sort of you know places he's been, like Docklands. He's got one on the Docklands, Oxford Street, Camden, Hampstead, Soho, Shoreditch, and Spitalfields. So uh, he's got a few episodes on Radio Four is available. On the BBC Sounds, whatever, if you're listening. You know, really, yeah, I really like it, really like it, really good stuff. That's that sounds cool, yeah. Suggs is a, Suggs is a, is, is a, it seems like a nice guy. Yeah, sort of one of those dudes that anytime you see an interview with him, um, yeah, he just seems like a sort of, yeah, nice kind of charming presence, I, I can imagine. I, I can see myself listening to a whole kind of radio series of him just talking about London. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I don't have uh, much else to uh, recommend. I'm trying to find some music, but uh, got a bit uh, uh, distracted with life as 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 I was. Unfortunately, I've been lately and uh, haven't really found any cool bands. So sorry, listeners. Uh, I have to try and find something for you next week. You heard it here first. Lawrence isn't cool anymore. He ran out of cool bands. No. Um. No. He's com- maybe he's just completed them. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah he it. could have just completed uh, cool, and this is you know you're you're now the end boss of being cool because you you completed everything. So anyone else that wants to be cool well, kind of has to come up against you. 
I hope so. Yeah, that would that would be that would be a complete waste of time if if I didn't turn out to be the most coolest person to have ever existed. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean what are we doing here? You know, if, if yeah. that's if that's not what's happening, I mean, what's the point? Um, <laughs> okay, so so no bands, but uh, the Suggs, uh, what's it called? The Suggs Suggsy Suggs love, show. Love letters to a London. Love letters to London by Suggs off of Madness. Um. I'll recommend, um, uh, I, it probably doesn't really need recommending. I feel like everybody that's going to watch it has probably already seen it. But um, Adam Curtis, the, the documentary maker, has a new series um, on the, the BBC iPlayer called uh, I Can't Get You Out of My Head. Um, it's a, I think he describes it as an emotional history of the modern world. It kind of covers the last sort of 50 to 60 years or so, give or take, of uh, kind of, you know, the world, modern culture, politics, how everything has kind of been shaped um, by various factors. The people and groups that have tried to change it, some have been successful, some haven't. Um, yeah, it's seven hours of kind of very, uh, it's very dense, it's very informational, it's very heavy. Probably can't really binge watch it because your head will explode. I mean, it, I wouldn't recommend watching it all in one go. Um, you know, maybe spend a week watching an episode a day. But yeah, it, it's it's fascinating. There's so much in there. There's just so much information. And it's... it's. I feel... <laughs> it's, it's weird. You know, as soon as he sort of mentions something that I've heard of or that I know about, I instantly feel like the smartest person in the world. Like, you know, when he, when he finally gets around to mentioning like the Iraq war or something, I'm like, ah, yes. Mm, mm, yes. Mm, I know about this. Yes. Um, but other than that, it's a lot of stuff about like, you know, like, uh, yeah, Chinese politics in the 1950s and, you know, uh, yeah, the cultural revolution and, um, you know, the fall of the Soviet union and, and a lot of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's that's fascinating, and it kind of it it's sort of. Um, I suppose the main takeaway is that uh, if you're trying to change the world in any meaningful way, you can't because there's just so many organizations and structures in place to maintain the status quo at any cost. So eventually, you're going to come up against something like that. Um, but yeah, like I said, fascinating watch, um, and you'll feel very clever after you've watched it. Uh, so yeah, check that out. It's yeah, Adam Curtis's, uh, I can't get you out of my head. Um, and then do I want to recommend anything else? I'm trying to think. Oh, um, been replaying some remasters of, uh, some old, uh, click and, uh, uh, click and point fucking hell point and click um adventure games um i yeah i i never played games like you know secret of monkey island uh as a kid or, or day of the tentacle but um you know all of those kind of old games have been remastered and they're very fun and, and funny and weird and they're very kind of surprisingly kind of densely uh plotted for for, for such an early for such early games um, I've been playing through those with uh, with my girlfriend, and that yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun. So yeah, check out you know, I think all four of the Secret of Monkey Island games or the Monkey Island Saga, whatever it is, um, is on you know it's on Steam and all the places where you get games and that. And also same with um, Day of the Tentacle. There's a remaster of that that came out a few years ago. That's uh, that's very fun and very funny. Um, Gary, what do you want to recommend to the people? Um, I've 
found my new favorite band. So that's, you know, the, the competition is done now. New favorite ah. band. No week. more entries, guy. Um, no more entries, guys. That's it's it's all done. Yeah, I'm not no longer taking taking submissions. Yeah, maybe next year. Yeah, so it's a it's a band called Yard Act, uh, and they're from they're from Leeds, and uh, I think they started up in like 2019. They formed from like other bands that were kicking around, and uh, yeah, they started in 2019. They were pushing to do a lot of stuff last year, but obviously. Um, something happened. I don't know what happened, but yeah, they couldn't, couldn't play any yeah. gigs. Um, there's some vicious rumors flying around, but yeah. So they basically they just pushed a lot of their stuff online um, and just releasing like songs, a few songs at a time. Um, I think they've got four songs out now. Um, that they've made an EP out of, um, but it's just uh, it's quite a different sound to a lot of stuff that's out at the moment. I think they're pushing this whole like. Essentially, it's spoken word over the top of like post-punk, okay. weird indie stuff. Um, bit of a bit of an art brute, art brute kind of vibe. Uh, yeah, kind of art brute, but more serious. And essentially, you replace the singer with Alan Bennett. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, he, he's got the northern, the northern yeah. drawl, and the kind of talking in quite quite minute detail about very ordinary things. In um in everyday life, which is quite interesting. Like one of the the first song I heard of theirs is called uh, "Fixer Upper," and it's about it's about a guy who he answers his front door, and there's a guy there who's just moved in next door, and he's got a letter addressed for the previous recipient, ah. and that's wow. the song. Um, so he tells him, you know, this oh I've got this letter for a uh, Dr. J. Konopinski. Um, it must be Polish, and then he starts talking about the Polish builders that he's got in the house at the moment, knocking out all the mock Tudor stuff um, and putting this new stuff in because it's the house is a fixer upper, and he's got two he's got two Range Rovers and ah. this, and it's, it's essentially a commentary on the like. I say it's a bit of a bit like, of a John Prescott character. He's got two Range Rovers. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a commentary on the uh, dickhead property developers and people thinking they're like. Know, white boys because they because they yeah, own the land, house. landlord culture um, and such yeah it's you know yeah it's, it's it's quite a good one i'd recommend it um they've got a few other songs out about um tax dodging and different things i listened to a podcast with them on recently um it's called 101 jobs maybe this is another recommendation it's called a uh, 101 or a thousand and one jobs and basically, the guy gets um, the presenter. He gets musicians to come in and tell him about all the jobs that they've done yes, I've, around music. I've heard about this. Yes, um, I think friend of the show Joe was telling me about it. Who was it was on previously? Yes, I, I've heard about this podcast. It does. It sounds. It sounds a lot of fun. Yeah, I listened to the so the one with Yard Act on, and they um, were just saying about how they'd just been on the dole for years and. They do like part-time music teaching or screen printing T-shirts, um, yeah. And essentially, they they want to get rid of jobs in society, and everyone just goes on the dole, and then that's how all the music gets created, how all the great music gets yeah. created. Which not bad yeah, idea. I, yeah, you can't argue with the results. I mean, yeah, all <laughs> how many? Yeah, how many great? I, well, actually, yeah. The, the basically there is there's two approaches to sort of making great music. It's either yeah, you're either dirt poor and have to you know survive off the dole, or um, you got rich parents and they just buy all of your equipment for you. You know, there's the sort of there's I think it, it's almost fifty fifty in terms of you know 
successful music acts that have either come from rich families um, or, you know, ones that have just kind of truly just kind of, um, you know, scrapped their way from the bottom. You know, they're, they're, what's that fucking, that Christopher Walken speech in um, Catch Me If You Can, where he's like, two mice fall in a barrel of milk. One of them, basically one of the mice drowns and the other one, she turns the milk to butter or something. Basically, it's you know, it's a bullshit thing about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. You know what I mean? It's a yeah, um, one of those things that baby boomers tell themselves so that they don't feel bad about uh, you know burning the, all of the ladders and everything that they've climbed up. Um, so that's yeah. So that yeah. So that, that's the podcast I listen to. Um, and yeah, so Yard Act, check them out. Um, so that's a lot of music I've been listening to. Uh, other than that, just been sitting around watching Same. TV, nothing, watching football. I think that's pretty much all I'm watching yep. at the moment. When I'm not playing football, nope. When I'm not watching football, I'm playing football manager. Um, just to kind of uh, fill that hole of uh, you know, football not being there. So, yep, a lot of lot of sitting around right with you there. Um, with with that, that's uh, and I. I th- feel like most of our listeners are as well but as we said boris has fixed everything uh so that by the 21st of june uh, at one minute past midnight on the 21st of june everything's going to go back to normal um so you know i that's 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 what we've got to look forward to um we didn't uh i realized we went a whole episode without well we almost went a whole episode without congratulating man united um on winning the title um this season so we want to congratulate them again um for you know for winning the title in january um just a you know incredible feat of uh you know uh the type of brilliance we've come to expect from uh, from man united um was there any lawrence you got anything else you want to say you've been quiet for uh I don't know, very long stretches of this episode. <laughs> well, uh, uh, follow me on Twitter because I need just another few followers to get to 200. Uh, well, already, already almost at yeah. 200. That's, that's amazing. You're going to overtake me soon. I'm only, I think I'm only at like 230 something. Yeah. Um, well, but it's, it's, it's deserved. You've, you've put the work in, you, you, you know, you have better you have better tweets than I do. It um, seems like everyone else, apart from me, is the only one who posts. Like it's like turning into Facebook. It's yeah. uh, no, I mean that's that's a dangerous comparison. Don't <laughs> don't yeah don't don't compare Twitter to Facebook. Um, yeah, my mum's not Twitter yet, so you you'll be alright yeah. for a little while. Um, yeah. But yeah, do, do give if you're not following Lawrence on Twitter, do give him a follow at IB Online is uh, is the handle there. Um, I'm at Ollie Munster. Uh, Gary, you you don't you're not a Twitter guy, are you? No, I came off of Twitter because it's just it's just a lot of um, a lot of white people angry. Yeah, angry no, about is that Facebook? White people. Yeah. <laughs> Never been. Yeah, even, even when I try and try and change who I follow, it's still you still end up with just different arguments. It is weird. Yeah, I can't remember who it was that tweeted it, but it's like that. You know, <laughs> they 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 had this tweet where it was basically like. Um, people, people, you know, people accuse you of having like you know an echo chamber and only 
only listening to like people that agree with you or only following people on social media that agree with you. And it's like, if that's true, why am I subjected to the most dog shit racist opinions every day when I log into Twitter? It's just like, yeah, it's like, it, it, there isn't really an echo chamber. You're, you're constantly bombarded by all this just hideous nonsense. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it, 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 Facebook really isn't much better. It, it's all bad, folks. Folks, it's all bad. And again, if you watch the Adam Curtis documentary, you'll sort of realize that, you know, all of this comes from just uh, data gathering for advertisers and the fact that, you know, 9-11 and the Patriot Act meant that none of these companies were held accountable at the point that they should have been. And now the cow's out of the barn and it's all too late. Um, yeah. Having said that, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Junior Funners. Um, you know, we don't post any far right conspiracy theories or anything, you know, so that's that's a plus in, in that column. Um, you can email us, please email us. We're very lonely. Um, send us questions, comments, whatever, whatever you want. Actually, no, not whatever you want. Don't don't be weird. Just 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 be cool. OK, just just be cool. Um, yeah. Email us something at juniorfinance at gmail.com. We've got a Facebook page that you can follow along with. We're still on Spotify. We haven't been kicked off. Joe Rogan, as yet, has not got in touch, but uh, he's a busy man. Um, also, I think he, I believe he lives in, in Texas where they've had all the kind of power outages recently. So maybe that's part of the reason why, you know, he hasn't got a chance to read his, his tweets or his emails yet uh, from us. So, Joe, whenever you get around to it, um, just, you know, Send us the money by PayPal. I guess is probably the easiest way. I'll, I'll I'll forward you my details. You can send us some of that, some of that sweet, sweet Spotify uh, gold. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, Gary, you got any crazy diets you want to promote? You got any like books you want to? <laughs> you got? Uh, you selling anything that to? You know, any grift you're on that you want to? Yeah, promote? Gary, what psychedelics are you on? Well, uh, well, I couldn't couldn't possibly tell you otherwise. Right. It would it would pop my oh, bubble. It's a, yeah, it's a it's like, a proprietary. Currently flying. I forgot that, yeah, the the concoction of mushrooms you're taking is a proprietary secret that you're not you're not yet ready to reveal. You've got to you're waiting for the Kickstarter to get funded before you start releasing that information. So, yeah, yeah, you have to submit a freedom of information request. I'm yeah. afraid. Okay, well, find out what's going. Time. But um, no no diet no diet recommendations. I think just um just can just burn more calories than you consume. Is my my hot take on the? Uh, It'll diets. never catch on. No way. No. Well, it, apparently it hasn't. That, <laughs> lift weights hey. like me. Lift weights. Oh, no, lift, lift those weights. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Lawrence's low res webcam makes it look like he's absolutely swole. So that's yeah. Yeah. It's the angle that's, of the fish <laughs> lens camera. That could be a grift in and of itself, you know? Yeah, you do videos in that kind of like, you know, that low res and people think that you're absolutely shredded. They'll, yeah, they'll buy whatever kind of, you know, little pills that are packed with dirt you're selling. Um, I feel Blue like this episode's pills. gone on. This yeah. <laughs> this episode brought to you by bluechew.com. Um, no, we've, we've, we're completely off the rails. This episode's gone on long enough. Bye. <laughs>